0: All right. Um, yeah. So me and Sean, we were just talking about, um, you know, technology and how it's kind of like a, a two-edged sword. You know, it can be used for good and evil. And uh, we were talking about how old are you, Sean? I'm thirty. You're thirty. Okay. So you're still pretty young. Um, young. I'm you know twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a mixed bag, you don't know how to feel about it. Um <laughs> yeah. but I'm twenty five so I'm like right there I'm like right there on the border between the two generations. So I don't really know who did I identify with. Um but yeah you were saying you know you have a lot of hope and optimism towards this up and coming generation. And I do too because you know you you find, you know, at least in my experience you know, when I made a Twitter and we was talking about the technology thing, you know, I used to have a bit of an online presence, you know, like when I was in high school and young and coming up, you know, but what kind of warded me off was, you know, what's always highlighted in the algorithm and, and promoted and in and social media and media, it's just constant negativity and just like black pills. And it's just, it feels like, not just feels like but it is it's sole intention is just to demoralize you yeah so there for you know a while I just didn't have any online presence and um then when I uh started picking up my cross daily and and started living for the Lord again um after being backslidden for a long time during my teenage years you know I realized that hey you know you know there's malevolent forces out there in the world using technology and using the internet and and platforms online for wicked evil purposes you know but we can take advantage of that resource as well and uh, use it as a means for good and to spread truth and speak truth and stand for the truth and and spread uh, the truth of god's word Um, one of the but, opening um,
1: questions I had for you was, uh, can you share your testimony? I feel you were kind yeah. of scratching at the surface there with that. Uh, <laughs> would you mind, like, kind of sharing the, the whole thing with us?
0: Yeah, of course. I don't mind one bit. Um, so personal testimony, I, um, I was born and raised, grew up in church my whole young adult life. Um, my dad, he, he was a preacher. My my mother's side, my grandfather, uh, my maternal grandfather. He was a preacher and a pastor of a handful of churches growing up when I was a kid, and um, you know I grew up with him as the pastor. You know, your papa is the pastor, and um, grew up under you know hard, sound, Baptist preaching. Uh, my whole young adult life. And um, got saved. I got saved at the young age. I was like eight or nine. I was in like fifth grade when I uh, got saved and, and made a uh, statement of faith outwardly and then uh, believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, things happened. Things happened that um, my initial church, papa stepped down as the pastor. You know, we went through a couple other pastors here and there. And ultimately, you know, some bickering and some infighting you know, started setting in. And, you know, this is so pervasive throughout churches, you know, these days. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, ended up, ended up changing churches, you know, a handful of times. And then we wound up um, somewhere else. Another church is a missionary Baptist church and um i spent my early teenage years in that church and started to initially grow as a young ave in christ and you know started to um get a firmer grasp on you know some basic doctrines and standpoints and um even was able to spread my wings a little bit and um you know participate in stuff like youth sundays and and uh, they'd have youth events and you know, I'd participate and do like you know some i i, I wouldn't call it preaching because as young as i was but you know it's basically me just getting up there and reading a scripture and saying one or two words about it and, and sitting back down um, and that was about the gist of that but I had a really good experience in that church love that church it was you know i'd compare it to what an ideal church should look like you know according to like we was talking about a second ago the book of acts you know it's just a close brotherhood of people it's like it just feels like a family you know it's yeah. like you walk in the door you know you walk in the door and it's just it's just home you know it's just it's family and you share this connection with people that you know it's far greater than any physical bond you know, through the flesh, but, you know, you share that same spiritual bond through the Holy Spirit and, and through the blood of Jesus. Um, so love that church. We spent um, probably about mm, a good three or four years at that church, and um, unfortunately, it started to suffer some of the same consequences um, as some of the previous churches we've been a member of. You know, you had some, it was rapidly growing as a church and that's great and all. But um, one mistake that the pastor made is he started putting a bunch of these new people who spiritually speaking, you know, they're nothing but babes. You know, they're very immature and uh, inexperienced in their Christian walk. Started putting these people in positions of authority, which is, you know, looking back, pretty unwise you know he started putting these people in deacon positions and and all sorts of stuff and you started to have this um sort of this us versus them you know in group out group dynamic form within the congregation and you know kind of like this nepotism aspect going on and you know cliques and stuff like this and then you know short thereafter they had, they had an assistant pastor and they had a pastor, and both of them stepped down, you know, pretty close together. So there we found ourselves without a pastor, and then you have a bunch of immature, you know, babes in Christ trying to make the decisions. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, God was going to choose a man to be another pastor. And, you know, one half of the congregation loved him. Um, But, you know, the other half of the congregation that had sort of entrenched itself, you know, they wanted, they wanted, you know, who was a part of their in-group and their crowd. And, you know, they wanted to run the show. So, you know, unfortunately, it just led to a huge divide in the church. And, you know, everyone's feelings got hurt. Because, you know, we had the majority of votes to vote this guy in as pastor. But, you know, he, he was able to see evidently and apparently that you know this is a very divided church there's not unity in this church like there's still there yeah hey what happened i I don't know what happened
1: i don't know i think you discord kicked you out for a second but we're good hey well i'm (laughs) back
0: All right, so yeah, I'm, I'm like 12 or 13 at this point, and I'm just very invested in church. And you know, unfortunately it was very, um, it was very painful to have to leave that church and, and see it just kind of dash to pieces like it was. And uh, what's, <laughs> what's ironic is the church was named Union, Union Baptist <laughs> Church, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, unfortunately, Yikes. it was anything yeah. but. You know, <laughs> yeah. finally, left. Well,
1: so you see the breakdown of men. You know, do what? Like when you're a young man and you see that, you're like seeing the yeah. breakdown of men, and yeah, it's
0: not, right. It's
1: almost like, of course, you're gonna get like disillusioned and
0: demoralized. Yeah, and it's so unfortunate, but yeah, that's 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 a great word that you use. There's disillusioned because, unfortunately, that's that's kind of the effect it had on me especially as a young adolescent like 13 years old and um you know it just sort of unfortunately put a wedge between me and the lord and 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 you know there's several other factors that would kind of just exacerbate that going on into my teenage years anyway yeah so we left that church and you know I had my heart broken going through that, experiencing that uh, because, you know, in, an environment like that is, is the total opposite of what the Lord's will is for a church. Yeah. It'd be nothing but just, you know, bickering and arguing and, and infighting. And stuff like this. So, you know, at that point I was, I would you know, I was still a babe in Christ by all means. Um, and it, it kinda reminds me of the verse, you know, these were saved people, obviously, according, you know, to their own words, but it reminds me of that verse of Jesus where he says, you know, Woe unto them who would offend any of these little ones, you know, and turn them away from me, you know. Yeah. And um, that's kinda that's kinda how I feel like what happened to me in that circumstance where you had these grown adults and it just, you know, it affected me in such a profound way and, and just um like I said, kind of disillusioned me, and, and I was hurt, and, and I was wroth, honestly, angry at God even, I would say, you know, like, you know, I didn't understand at that point, at that age, I was like, God, you know, why would you allow this to happen? And, you know, we had such a great thing going on at this church, and, you know, it was growing, and it was, you know, ministry going on, and community outreach, and. You know just I, I couldn't wrap my head around it at, at that age of you know how could you let such a horrible thing happen so you know it kind of put this this stumbling block in my fledgling uh christian pathway if you will and it caused me to stumble and 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 fall off the straight and narrow way there and you know i was talking about some other contributing factors that led me to, you know, eventually be full-blown backslidden for, like, a decade of my um, young adult life, you know. So, I'm saved at nine years old. This happened I was probably about 13. And I grew up, I grew up in public school, okay, with my parents. They're kind of, like, mo- low, you know, middle-class family, you know, just, like, your average low to middle class family in America. So we had we had to go through public school growing up and of course, you know, they fill you with nothing but secular talking points and, and just propaganda and brainwashing. And, you know, looking back, it's quite obvious what's going on. You know, there's a conspiracy, there's a deliberate agenda in play to you know turn as many people away from the truth as possible and get them as young as they can yeah. so you know I you know and the teachers don't know any better they're just following the curriculum so yeah. Yeah. you know i start i start getting involved to a lot of you know secular ideas and and, and uh um, worldly carnal ideas and 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 you know the internet still pretty young at that point and uh, my parents are kind of ignorant to the fact of what a um, young 13 year old boy can get his eyes on (laughs) on the internet so you know I get exposed to uh, I get exposed to stuff like pornography you know as young as like 12 13 years old and that turns into you know eventually it just turns into like a full-blown addiction yeah and um that's something, you know, I've really struggled with for a long time and not until just recently over the last year or two have been able to um, make great ground and and distant, distancing myself from that and, and overcoming that because it is an addiction and it, it can quickly become an, an addiction. And um, so stuff like that, that contributed to me, you know, being more enticed and, and pulled into the world and, and the ways of the world. And, you know, another thing that's circulating at going to a, a public school is you're exposed to, to substance abuse and alcohol at a young age. And Started, and like you know, getting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The escape reality uh, drugs. Yeah, Right, <laughs> right, right. So, you know, started, you know, getting involved with a bunch of delinquents like myself <laughs> and, you know, yeah. you know, you know, lying to mom and dad, telling them where I'm going and, you know, be out partying late at night, drinking. I think I had my first drink of alcohol at like 14 years old, yeah. uh, started, started smoking weed at 14 years old and... Um, That eventually became habitual for a good part of my teenage years and into my very early twenties. So yeah, started growing up in that environment. I was still going to church up until I was eighteen because Dad's like, "You're going to church, you know? You're (laughs) you're in my household. I don't care. You're going to church." So they would drag me to church and of course you know it was it was nowhere near the church you know like I grew up in so you know every time I'm being drugged to this church and it's you know, if we're being kind of brutally honest, it's like a spiritually dying church. It's like the average demographic is like 70 years old. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no ministry going on in this church. You know, it's quite literally, you're watching it die spiritually. Yeah. Um, so I, I, all that did, all that did was, you know, push me further away because my dad's not understanding that, hey, you know, I need to give my son a little bit of time to heal and, and, you know, just kind of chill out and kind of decompress, you know, if, if you will, from from what we just went through. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know, I don't harbor any ill will towards, you know, he was just doing what he thought, you know, was best me at the time and and looking back you know there's nothing wrong with you know to continue to be at least you know under some good sound doctrinally sound preaching in my, my teenage years so yeah, uh, yeah you
1: have to forgive the boomers
2: <laughs> yeah you do <laughs> they know not forgive. what they did <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> can't harbor that yeah.
1: resentment or that, that feeling no. of like wrath or no. whatever that people kind of tend to steer themselves towards
0: yeah people give boomers a hard hard rap man you know they gotta have they gotta have a little sympathy on the boomers you know you gotta you gotta kind of look at it through their eyes because they got you have to understand they got the brunt okay they got the brunt of the psychological yeah. um programming you know through like tv you know they grew up tv was just a thing yeah and, it was and they they just too, got it was like right right they, right. The they got of it. right exactly they really they
1: porn is something i've noticed too where like they older people seem so unaware of how actually dangerous porn is
0: oh it's so dangerous you know the
1: guys like you and i wake up to it it's like guys this is poison and the boomers are like eh whatever you know because they right. get like and, magazines and like you know a uh-huh. scene in a movie or something and it's like they don't understand the depths of smartphones and internet these days, and yes, like how
0: yes. insane it is. You know, I mean, right? Because because like for Zoomers, you gotta understand for Zoomers, like pornography, internet pornography, stuff like this. It's it's basically the equivalent for what you know TV was, stuff like that for the Boomers back like in their day. Yeah. And like I was saying, you know, you have to you have to kind of pity them because they were. You know they were victims at the tip of the spear of stuff like this. you know all this all this media brainwashing and, and propaganda, you know that's just slowly ever so surely chipping away at, at godly moral values at, at Christian Western values just year after year, decade after decade, you know to where they can't you know it's so subtle they can't even hardly perceive it you know and and that's that's almost kind of like what pornography is for for my generation the young online generation and it's so dangerous and it's so subversive and pervasive and um you know it it can destroy destroy lives destroy marriages it can just bring nothing but pain I don't know where i was really going with that but anyway we'll get back to my testimony um but yeah you gotta have sympathy on the you gotta have you know boomers as you know as much as we can scratch our heads and as much as they can exasperate us at times we gotta we gotta respect our elders we gotta we like, love our boomers around here
2: recognize <laughs> their failures you know don't,
1: don't uh don't sugarcoat it you know let's let's talk right. about how much, how badly they messed up let's talk about you know all the bad things that happen but let's not linger on it let's forgive them and let's learn from it and move on let's exactly like repeat those exactly mistakes, you know
0: there's a fine line of like
1: yeah we can't just be like ah eh, whatever no big deal. They like abandon their children and their responsibilities yeah. and they <laughs> abandoned morality for temporary pleasures and, you know, physical stuff and status and whatever. But, yep. you know, it's like we have to overcome that and like forgive them and then learn from their mistakes and not repeat that and like be better parents to our children than they were to us. You know?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I, I totally agree with that. You know, we can't. We can't go low. Yeah. in order to win you know yeah. we can't meet our enemies at the same playing field you know we have to go high you know we have to go up and, and be above Absolutely. you know all that stuff um so continuing on with my testimony um saved at a young age got hurt in church broke up out of church uh, became kind of disillusioned with organized religion in a nutshell and um so graduated high school 18 years old, came, um, started going to college, um, and went through my first semester, did okay, did fair enough. Second semester, I was partying all the time, I was drinking all the time, doing drugs all the time. Um, Nothing like super hardcore ever, but mainly just, you know, smoking weed all the time, stuff like this. Flunked out of college. Flunked out of college. My second semester, all F's. Just failed out. Lost my scholarships. Stuff like this. Um, just kind of became disillusioned with that too, and just kind of took on this. Um, you know, just succumbed to nihilism at that point. You know, it's just like, you know, what am I really doing? You know, what's what's the point? You know, and just from that point on just kind of went further and further, you know, into that kind of mindset and just, just went full blown, you know, null no holds barred substance abuse and, uh, you know, further going down the rabbit hole, of pornography and stuff like this, you know, just nothing but addictions in my life. Okay. Um, and because of that you know i was like the weekend warrior stereotype okay you know every weekend i'd be out partying with friends you know wherever i can find it and you know doing that habitually inevitably trouble's gonna find you you know it's like the old saying you know play stupid games win stupid prizes so inevitably inevitably you know trouble found me out and uh I got arrested, got arrested at, um, 18 years old, got arrested, went to jail for the first time at 18 years old because, you know, we had been out partying and, you know, me and a bunch of other delinquents having a house party and, and got a little too rowdy and started, um, walking down the road and broke into this abandoned warehouse and cops came and they detained us and you know, threw us in the, the drunk tank <laughs> for <laughs> the night and they charge us they charge us with trespassing and burglary and all this stuff. So there's thousands thousands of dollars I'm having to fork out as an eighteen year old and try and get out of trouble with that. And as I'm in the process of doing that, I'm still I still haven't learned anything. I'm still partying every weekend and still drinking every weekend. So it's barely even two or three months later, I get arrested again. And this time it's for a DUI charge. So I'm drinking every weekend, you know, just don't care. Just full blown, don't care at this point. You know, I really don't feel like I have you know anything to live for or, or anything going for me. Um, so yeah, I wind up catching a DUI charge spend a whole full weekend in jail and and get this it, even at this even at this point in my life you know this was one of the lowest points of the story okay you know it's going to start to slowly get a little bit better from here on out okay I, the clawing just,
1: began but it was still right it's not just, of, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's not just nothing but black pill after black pill. um so so I have to go through that experience. So get this, you know, once we're saved, we're always saved. And, and as the scriptures say, you know, to whom God loveth, he also chasteneth. So looking back, I, I, I can see the Lord's hand of protection in my life, you know, despite, despite me trying to run from him or, or refuse to even acknowledge him at some points. You know, there was still, you know, there was still this this part in me, you know, is, that's not of me but within me, you know, it's the Holy Spirit obviously that seals us into the day of redemption. And 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 you know, his you know, as the scriptures say, My sheep will hear my voice. And and it's quite obvious now looking back, you know, it, it was a little harder to see, you know, when I was in the middle of all of it and, and drunk and under the influence and out of my mind most of the time. But I can see now God's hand of of providence and, and protection and deliverance in my life, even as, as backslidden as I was, and and as rebellious as I was. God was still right there watching over me through the whole time because, you know, the, the Bible says we are appointed, you know, once we're saved, we're appointed unto good works. And and looking back, I can see that God was, despite my rebellion, He was He was preserving me. He was chastening me throughout this, you know, this decade of, of running from Him. Quite obviously, He was chastening me and I was facing consequences for my actions, severe consequences for my actions. But... I drove that night. Um, I, I live in like one of the one of the main metropolitan areas in East Tennessee, so I drove I drove from the heart of downtown all the way um, like two counties over, an hour and a half drive, completely blackout drunk, no, not a semblance of consciousness. I mean, just just no bearing no control over any of my my facilities at all and it, it's just by it's there's no way to explain it you know besides just it's a miracle quite honestly by the grace of god that i didn't die that night you know, yeah. you know when it, it even at you know me. right you know even at one point on the route i took um went over this Massive bridge on the highway that was under construction. They were building another bridge beside it, I was going to replace it. And it's it's just by the grace of God that I didn't, you know, just, you know, by accident, just drive straight off that into the water, and drown to death. You know, much less get in a wreck. You know, on my way, yeah. <laughs> two counties over. But what what happened was, is. I got into the second county over and it must have just been two patrol officers just sitting on the side of the highway late at night, you know, just bored, not really anything going on. And it's almost as if God put them there and had them there for a reason to just catch me. Yeah. And I was so (laughs) out of it. I was so out of it. They had to pin my car next to a side rail and kind of slow me down to get me to stop. And, you know, my mom, my mom talked to the officer, you know, several days after the fact. And she was like, "She was like, ma'am, you know, your son, that that was one of the worst cases I've ever seen. Like, like a DUI case. That's, that's like one of the worst I've ever witnessed. Like we had, you know, the lengths we had to go to, to even get him to stop. You know, he was so inebriated. He was that out of it and uh, you know, my mom told him it's, he said, you know, it's just by prayer, you know, it was a miracle and he said, you know, God, God puts you there to, to stop him. He's like, he, he was like, you know, I completely agree with that man, we the same thing. So you know, that happened and, and, and we start to go on the upward trajectory here from, from here on out. Um get out of that you know settle all the the debts and court fees and you know retainment fees for a lawyer and have to go burn through thousands of dollars to, to get through all that headache um, walk out with it but just a little misdemeanor charge you know thankfully praise the lord that's never affected me at all you know financially or you know um, not affected my career in any way, um, thankfully. Um, So came out of that experience, started distancing myself from alcohol a lot more and the drugs a little bit, Um, but would still entertain it from time to time. You know, I wasn't fully out of that lifestyle yet, Um, but started taking on some more responsibility and and find myself a little bit better. Uh, Started going to college again, to be going to college again takes classes and working towards a career and you know I remember I remember looking back at the time on that situation and and it was just so apparent that you know there was a God there that that was protecting me and preserving me but I still I still wasn't at that point where I was ready to repent you know like I, I still, I still had a love for the world, you know. I'm still enticed and allured by some of the things it had to offer me. So um, start going to college again, move out of my parents' house, and you know, once I start tasting that, you know, there's another little taste of more freedom. You know, now I'm out of my parents' house. You know, I'm living out on my own. So start getting into more bad habits and and start, you know start, you know, fornicating with a bunch of women regularly and start drinking again and partying again a lot regularly, you know, go on through that for, you know, probably about a year. I'm probably about 22 at this point, point. 22 now, and out on my own, and I allow... I allow this, you know, this crazy no holds barred lifestyle to get the better of me again and, and end up failing out of college again, a semester. And so at, at that point in my life, I'm just kind of like, you know, what am I doing? What what am I doing? You know, there's got to be, there's got to be more to life than just going to a job and getting a paycheck you know, there's got to be more to life than just you know burning through a saturday night with some strange woman or or you know getting inebriated You know, there's there's got to be something more fulfilling to life than just this endless cycle of of nihilism you know it's it's what it is and hedonism so i i can start to feel at this time of my life i'm i'm 22 It's like December of, um, it's like November, December of 2018. So this is about three years ago now. And, you know, I can just feel like there's something, there's something drawing me. There's something pulling me.
1: That fall and winter happened with a lot of people. I don't know how many people you've heard that too. Sorry to keep... What do you mean? I mean, that's when I woke up too. No, no. I've talked to so many people, like young men
0: who were basically uh-huh.
1: like that fall, that winter was it. Like that's when God really? got on my shoulder. Yeah, that's crazy. Really?
0: Yeah, so you said you had a similar experience with that. Can you just expound on that for just a second and I could go on?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Long story short, my testimony was I was born and raised with no God. My parents were Uh, atheist liberals. I was out in California getting up to no good. You know, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Without God, you know, you're just living in chaos and it's just bad choices. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) degeneracy, you know, all that that stuff. And I actually went to go kill myself and God just totally intervened. Like, it's just so undeniable. He put the right person at the right time to stop me you know, wow. start opening doors for me. And I just, in one day, like I woke up one day being like, I'm going to kill myself. Life is meaningless. I'm just going to end it. I'm going to go into the blackness because God isn't real, you know, to that right. night going like, okay, God's definitely real. He needs me to do something. I got to start figuring this out, you know? Hmm. And yeah, that was September, 2018.
0: Wow. That's interesting that, you know, some other people.
1: And I've heard like four or five different people say that, like, either like your situation huh. where they're like, I fell away from the faith or people like me too, who are like, I just never thought God was real. And then blah, blah, blah happened in, you know, October,
0: 2018. Wow. <laughs> it's all that same that's time very, because yeah. that's like a uh, October, October 2018 is like exactly when I flunked out of school again and just kind of started slipping into a really deep depression. Like that, that's, that's, that's that, that winter was just a very, it's like a cold, it's like the coldest winter ever of my life. It felt like not only physically cold, but it's yeah. just, I never felt so alone at that point in my life because I was living out on my own now. You know, I had my own place to myself, just kind of living this poor monger, um, pointless lifestyle. And, and, you know, what was I left with at the end of the day? You know, the parties were over. The women had left <laughs> yeah, you know it's just stuff, it's yeah. right it, at, at that that point you know it's just me sitting there on a couch you know by myself in this cold apartment <laughs> and your mind your mind just starts to go places and, and and god can take advantage of that and and there was things that i were seeing it's so weird you know i i, I don't mention this to a lot of people or i haven't really talked about it in a long time but it's like um, everywhere I looked, I would just see whether it was like on a clock or just, you know, some randomly like on, on a on timer or just anything. I'd just see the number like 333 just like everywhere. Like it was really weird. It was really strange. Like beyond the point of being, you know, coincidence or just happenstance, you know, just how regularly this would occur. So, you know, it it started just kind of, you know, making me feel a bit, you know, off put, you know, like, what, what, this is just weird, you know, it's kind of uncanny. And it, it kind of got my mind thinking a little bit more about, you know, God being out there and God trying to get my attention, you know, because obviously I had that foundation from earning on my life and, and I got saved. At a young age, so you know that there was that part of me that was sealed and preserved eternally, and and there's that channel there of communication that God God can use to get my attention you know through the through the power of the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> that was just a weird phenomena that I noticed going on at that time, and it just kind of got my attention a little bit. So I, I'm like super depressed, I start having suicidal thoughts myself, um, and then it's, it's just so, I, I, I don't even know, it's just like, I don't even hardly know how to explain it, but it's just like overnight, just something flipped, it's its just like, there was just a change of mind somewhere, I, I, I don't even, it, it was just... A mind shift, I, I guess I could say, you know. And, and I started, I just found myself one day, you know, opening up the Bible for the first time in, you know, well over a decade, probably. Mm-hmm. I found myself opening up the Bible. I was reading like, like Luke blow fifteen. Blow the dust
1: off, like
0: <laughs> You're right, right. Yeah, I think I was. I think I was reading something like Luke. Luke 14 or 15, I was reading some parable of Jesus uh, and I found myself doing that. And, and I was like Googling biblical resources all of a sudden. And, and, and I started, you know, just as I was kind of disillusioned with religion and, and organized religion at a young age, I, I, I began to start becoming, you know, rather disillusioned with the world secular realm and i remember you know this was kind of poignant um i was in my apartment one day it was i was starting to kind of come out of this depressive era you know through that winter we were going on into 2019 now and we were—it was starting to become spring. I remember, and I remember having this phone call with my mother. You know, she's a believer, she's a saved Christian too. And um, I had this phone call, and, and I remember saying to her, you know, I was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I I don't I don't really understand, you know, with a lot of these secular people and and atheists and you know people of that ilk, you know, they're always." championing themselves as these you know enlightened people and they're so <laughs> pre-thinking and and open-minded and and I remember saying to her I said but you know I've I've come to realize you know these people are they're just so self-absorbed and foolish and deluded because there's there's nothing more closed-minded than just completely writing off and and dismissing an entire element, and component of, of, of human history and culture. And, and and that is Christianity, which is the truth. And God himself, you know, just outright dismissing stuff like this. So I remember having that conversation with my mom. And, and like I said, it was just this... I remember going into the season, into the spring, it's just like something shifted. And it was just like a feeling. And it was so, almost like tangible, like you could touch it. it. It it was, it was just a feeling so profound that you could just reach out and feel it almost. I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, but I don't. I don't know how to. It was palpable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, this feeling the, the just had such a hold on the fog of the right. spirit. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, I just remember. I was going through that season, and um, I was faced with a choice. And, and and this was ultimately where the the shift and the turning back to God occurred. And this is where it started. I remember I was I was dating around at that time, and I was I was um, just kind of loosely dating one of my exes at that time. We were kind of being friendly with each other. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep it PG. Give me <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so I'm gonna get like, banned
1: off of YouTube eventually. Let's not make <laughs> it tonight. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're coming for all of us to censor all of us eventually. Yeah. But we'll just try and hold out yeah. for now while we can. Um, yeah, it's almost like her, like this woman in front of me. She was kind of like uh, the physical embodiment of of one choice, which was like the world, and and further indulging and choosing to indulge in like a worldly, carnal lifestyle. And then there was this other feeling inside of me, like there was something greater out there, like there was something more fulfilling, uh, more purposeful, and meaningful to life, and and that. That was the other choice. And like I said, it, it felt so profound and, and palpable. It's like I could touch it. Like I could reach out and just grab it. It's like, okay, this is what I want instead of you know, the, the women and the money and the drugs and just, just the endless hedonism and, and party lifestyle. So I remember she was like texting me one night and then you know, she was going on about something. She was wanting to go to some uh, some show or concert in Nashville. And, and it, it's just, I was at such a, a breaking point. I was just so disgusted and turned off by the world. I was just like, you know, no, I just, I don't want to. That's just what I told her. I was just like, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. And I remember, I remember telling her directly, I was like, I feel like there's something changing in me. And and I feel like the person that I need to become isn't compatible with you. And that's just just that's just when all the temptation left from that point and and that that bridge was kind of burned and that that avenue of temptation was just kind of taken out of my way when I just kind of willfully um, decided to shrug it off. And so from that, from that point on it it was getting close to my birthday at this point I was about to turn 23 years old. And, you know, I I had a good friend at the time, someone, you know, I thought I could trust someone I would consider like, you know, like the best friend almost, you know, and um, he was over at my place. You know, we were just kind of getting, you know, getting a little loose a little bit, drinking a little bit, celebrating for my birthday. And granted, I hardly drink alcohol at all. At, at this point, you know, because I'm just kind of over it at this point. You know, I've kind of burnt myself out at this point. It's kind of lost its luster. But he's just going. He's just going to the wall, no holds barred. So I'm, because I'm just like, well, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. You know, why not? So I'm trying to keep up with him. You know, and I can't handle it. So I, I just black out, super quick. You know, I'm still talking and walking and doing all these things, but I'm just. You know, I have no recollect, no recollection of it, right? So it turns out, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't have any memory of it. But it's, it's almost like I, he could, he could tell something was going on. He could tell like something was changing with me too at that point. And it's, it's almost like there was this component of jealousy there with him because we had had we've had a number of conversations leading up to this point, you know, where I'm trying to, I'm trying to help pull him out of his rut too, you know, and he wants to stay down there in it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this kind of life anymore. You know, I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to be, you know, living this meaningless lifestyle. Anymore. I'm trying to give him the keys to help kind of get himself up on his feet. and We can move on past this stuff. But it's, it's like there was this kind of component of jealousy arising and tension between the two of us. Well he ends up he ends up assaulting me while I'm blackout drunk. This guy who I would consider you know a best friend, something I, I thought I could you know trust my life with um, ends up assaulting me, fracturing my skull in one place, um, actually my orbital, which is my. <laughs> oh, my my eye socket, yeah, so, you know, not even, here's what you have to understand, you know, like, it'd be one thing if we got into a little bit of a scrap, you know, but my face was so swollen and black, like, he had to have had repeatedly, like, just no holds barred, just beating my face into a pulp, like, my injuries were so bad. Um. So, yeah. That was the end of our friendship from that point on, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so I remember, I just remember I came back too, and it was it was like 2.30 a.m. in the morning at that point where I, I regained consciousness. And I remember just like the pain hadn't really set in yet at that point because I was still so inebriated. Um, so I was just kind of still under the shock and awe of all of it. So I remember the first thing I did was, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, withhold anything from the story, but I remember the first thing I did was I just started, you know, sparking up and smoking some weed <laughs> with a, a swollen black and blue face. You know, I looked like a, I looked like a, what do they call, you know, the, the purple pickle looking fruits. You know what I'm talking about? Eggplant? The name of it. Yeah, an eggplant. My face looks like an eggplant. Okay.
1: Yeah, you gotta self-medicate. Yeah.
0: Right. I'm trying to just self-medicate and just numb it because I'm just like, you know, what is going on? So this was, this was quite literally, it's like, this happened on my birthday and it's just like something in me just snapped at this point. Okay. It's like almost quite literally, it's like you know and it's so i feel like beyond coincidence that something like this would happen on my birthday because it's almost like a new a new chapter in my life started on that day so i went to the i remember going to the er later on into the the next day i was just i was just laying there on that stretcher and it's just I have no way to explain it besides, you know, it was just through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit just just spoke to me in the moment. In that moment, it's it's almost as like, you know, if, if you if you haven't experienced anything like this, it's hard to explain to a person. But yeah. it was so profound that it's like time just froze around me. It's like things were just in slow motion. Does that make sense? Like the Holy Spirit in that moment, I could just feel it move and, and, and speak to me because I knew it, it. I knew it wasn't of myself because you know when we have our own idea, it's like, well, I think I want to do this, and and then I try and run it through some other people, and it's like trying to. Self- it's like in your head. right. It's kind of like on the right.
1: outside of your body. And then when the uh-huh. Holy Spirit's doing it, it's just like this overwhelming, like from the heart, from the belly, power.
0: <laughs> right, right. It's just, it's just, it's just springing up from within you, and and you just know. So, quite literally, in that moment, it's like God, it's like God just wrung me out and just shook me, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. hey, <laughs> hey, yeah. And it's like he, it's it's like. It's like he called me by name in that moment. Does that make sense? It's like he just acknowledged me and and I was fully aware of him in that moment. And I was just like, God, I see you and I hear you. And I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. I'm terrified. I don't know what this means going from here on out. But I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to you know, listen to see what you have in store for me. So, because of my injuries, I was out of work for like the next two weeks. Uh, You know, I was on like short-term disability and everything. I got all that arranged, so I didn't have to worry about anything except just recuperating these next two weeks. And I remember, um, I just had so much free time, of course, uh, during the span of this two weeks. And I remember I just started, like there was just this hunger within me since having this experience, since, you know, tasting of the Holy Spirit again and feeling the Holy Spirit again. And hearing the voice of God and feeling it moving my life, there was just this hunger and this desire to, to just seek Him, you know, just passionately and fervently, you know, without hesitation. So I, I remember... Um, you know, not only starting to look into a lot of biblical resources and, and start doing a lot of study on, um, you know, biblical prophecy and stuff like this. But I also, um, you know, as, as a young kid, I'd had a few red pills like, you know, oh, like Bush did 9-11. And, you know, just funny, <laughs> you know, stupid like, like meme worthy, right? Red pills, yeah. Like. Like Epstein killed himself, you know, stuff like that, you know, like kind of like normie tier, you know, meme level red pills, stuff like that. Um, but I, I at least had an idea It's like, you know, we shouldn't trust the government and stuff like this, you know, but you know, not only was I starting to hunger and thirst after, you know, God's word and, and truth, but I, 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 Stumbled upon a lot of um, like truther stuff and and truther information and stuff like that too about like you know transhumanism and you know mass media propaganda and, and um, you know the interests of you know the globalist elite and, and AI research and stuff like that. And, and looking into, you know, sort of what these people believe. And, and once you start realizing what they believe, you know, you realize the people who pull the strings of this earth, you know, they're anything but atheists. You know, they full yeah. well believe in yeah. a God and their God is found in the Bible. And it's the adversary of the one true God. Yeah. And so Are, I remember
1: full on rebellion against God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not absolutely. just a
1: disbelief in him. They're not operating oh, yeah. in like chaos, you know. Yeah, those are the yeah. useful idiots. They guys that are like, "There's no God. God's phony." No.
0: Oh people, yeah. Those the
1: people just... in charge are in the spiritual battle on the side of evil, working for evil absolutely in outright yeah. rebellion against God. They're not in denial of him.
0: Mm-hmm. They're what's um. I was reading in the Book of Judges the other night. Um, judges. We get the exact chapter. I think Judges 19, but it, there's a there's a term for people like this, and they're called sons of Belial, which quite literally just means sons of Satan. I mean they're full blown
1: the children of in,
0: Satan. Yeah. Right. They're just in full blown allegiance and alliance with the forces of evil of this world, the principalities, the spiritual darkness in high places. So not only was I starting to get, you know some some milk and, and some meat from God's word, but I was starting to come, you know, I was having some secular resources too to also corroborate, yeah. you know, what I'm starting to read in my Bible. And, yeah, you know... It,
1: discernment comes in of uh, exactly, <laughs> the... Exactly, exactly. Holy Spirit really, really, like, uh, letting you read between the lines right. things, yeah.
0: Exactly, and you see, I wouldn't have never been able to discern that unless I had, you know been saved and had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit beforehand at a young age. So that's how I was able to, you know, be enlightened on a lot of these things. And it was just, you know, God had already shook me a little bit once. Uh, But another thing that really shook me and sobered me up again, it was like, man, it's just like, it's just like institutionally and globally ingrained to just hate Christianity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 every every other false way is is propped up, yeah. it's defended, <laughs> it's promoted, it's 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 um it's victimized even. It's like oh you know we have to you know we have to feel sorry for the poor Muslims and you know we need to be nice to them you know because Trump banned them and blah 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 you know all this stuff. And you know Anything that was another. Exactly. Anything. Full he on. He wants everyone
1: to believe anything but the truth, even if it's close. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. He's out there, like like in First Peter, it says, out there as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour by any means necessary. You know, uh, it's it's a full on, full fledged campaign against the truth, which is God's word, which is His testimony in Jesus Christ. And the powers that be, you, you know, uh, we won't we won't get into all this, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, a certain a certain sect of people that you know vehemently despise Jesus, um, you know, but said let his blood be yeah. right, <laughs> let you know let let his blood be upon our hands, okay, you know that that crowd, you know, the crowd that stoned Stephen. You know the crowd that persecuted the, the early church. You know that loves to say, "Oh, well, Rome. It was all Rome. You know, it was Rome that persecuted the Christians." You know, it's, that's nowhere in the Bible. You have to go to secular sources to start finding that. But this group of people that that heavily persecuted the early New Testament church is the same group of people that is is making war against God's saints today, in in the year 2021, and this and the same group of people that is allied with, um, Satan himself today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, nothing, that was, that was under just, the sun. exactly. Nothing <laughs> new under the sun. S- same rebellion, new.
1: same, same rebels.
0: That's right. That's right. Since the since, you know, in the garden in the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, that was just, you know, coming to some of these conclusions. Um, that was just, that was just fuel to the fire at that point. It's over and anymore. I remember <laughs> right. It was just fuel to the fire and it and, and it's it's you know, like the movie says, like like Morbius says, it's you know, once you take that pill and once you see these things, you know, you can never unsee it. You know. It's impossible to unsee it. Yeah. So I remember it was just like it was just an outpouring of information and and, and knowledge and enlightenment and, and you know, spiritual growth as well. And I, it was just, you know, so much that I couldn't hardly handle it or, or contain it or know how to process it or really know what to do with it at, at that early in the game. So I, I remember, you know, after those two weeks happened, I'm just kind of left with this feeling. It's like, well, OK, God, I know you're out there. I know you saved me you know, at the young age of 19. And I know we're not, you know, salvation is a free gift. It's not of ourselves. It's not of works. We're not saved by our works. It's not by our own volition. Nothing we do. It's by your shed blood. But because I have this gift, you know, we are appointed unto good works. And, and you know, the Bible makes it quite clear that, you know, the Lord wants to use us in in our earthly, physical life and, and, and you know, we're to be unmoved by the afflictions, you know, because He has a purpose for us. So I, I, I start, like I said, just seeking Him more and, and start praying more frequently and reading in the Word and adjusting the Word. At this point, you know, I haven't really come out and then told my mom or parents or really anybody at that point what's going on in my life. So I remember um, I was at my parents' house that night and um, it was like late at night. And me and my mom were just up late in the kitchen, sitting at the table, having a conversation. And we were just, it started, we were just talking about just the eroding um degraded just state of the world and society at large, you know. And we we just started talking about a number of different narratives and eventually at least it, it led us talking about to, you know, Jesus and sacrifice. So we started about the conversation just kind of naturally crescendoed and, and, and led to that. And we started talking about the nature of his sacrifice. And I, and I remember, I'm the one leading in the conversation and i I'm, and I'm telling her all this, saying, you know, I was saved at a young age. I know I was saved wholeheartedly when it was not But I start talking about the gospel, and I start talking, you know, with my own mouth, you know, what our Lord, what the God, the creator of heaven and earth did for us on that tree and it's just like it, it It. in that moment I was able to just grasp you know because i was so much more older and had so much more life experience and it really you know I had tasted of sin for a whole decade and knew of the consequences of sin in that point and just the pain and destruction and desolation it brings and I was right re- and I was able in that moment to really fully um, appreciate I was able to appreciate what I had in, in, in the free gift of, of salvation that God gave me, you know, at that ripe young age. And, and, and I was able to appreciate it that much more and, and really grasp the magnitude of, of what happened 2,000 years ago in, um, in 33 AD when he did die on that cross so that we may have a life, so that we may have life everlasting. And, 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 you know, it's just, you know, God will not despise a guilty conscience. And, a, and, and in that moment, realizing stuff like this, realizing, you know, and being able to fully appreciate what he did, that's where repentance finally came. You know, in my life, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, repent of your sins to be saved or anything like this. I'm talking about true biblical repentance and what that looks like, you know, because repenting is is something we as a as a as a Christian does every day to to, like Christ said, pick up our cross daily. You know, deny yourself. Follow me. if, If any man come after me, let him pick up his cross and follow me. You know, Paul says, "You know, die to the flesh daily." In that moment, you know, I, I felt true repentance, and and the second the second I turned to God, immediately, immediately, the Holy Spirit was there, just like a rushing wind, like Christ, um, like Christ describes it to the woman at the well. It's like a fountain of living water yeah. that you'll never thirst from, and oh, and I was able to just.
1: Through you yeah exactly in John, I think the Holy Spirit is uh-huh. like a yeah. river flowing out of you into
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So there in in like well over a decade, I was able just to feel the full, just unadulterated, raw presence of the Holy Spirit because of of my repentant heart. And, and I remember just vocalizing in that moment. It's just like I, I just couldn't contain it. I couldn't contain the joy. I couldn't contain just the, the relief and the appreciation. And I just broke out in tears like a baby. And I, just, I just remember vocalizing. I said, I'm ready. And, and what I meant by that, I was talking to God. I wasn't talking to my mom anymore. I was talking to the Lord in that moment. I said, Lord, I'm ready. You know, you saved me at a, at a young age, and, and, and because you saved me now, I want to live for you because the life the world has to offer, you know, is, is just desolate. It, it's unfruitful and it just leaves you broken and empty and hollow. And, and I realize now that you in store for me, you have a life of true purpose and true meaning. And what that entails is knowing you, and and because I know you and love you because you first loved me. Now it's my job on this earth to make you known to others. So that's that's really when it all began. That's just the powder keg that set off the chain of events that leads us to where we're we are now here on um, November the eighth, twenty twenty one. Yeah. And like I said, at, after that, after that night, it, it was just, I, I tell people, you know, it was like it was a hundred miles an hour in the right direction, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, finally found it. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> the road trip oh, yeah, has that, began. <laughs> so I, I gave you, I gave you the long version. I didn't really spare a lot of, you know, <laughs> I didn't withhold really any details, but that's pretty much the full, uh, the full breadth of where i'm at now that's amazing amazing and hey hey i know it's uh, i know it's yeah amazing um i know it's i know it's been about an hour but i still got more time we can keep going here if, if you want to for a little bit yeah yeah because
1: um,
0: no, no, that no. took way longer that took way longer <laughs> than i initially thought it would no. i just kind of
1: that's amazing yeah <laughs> i've just gotten uh my like mentor he's gonna be on my stream in a few weeks um huh? based man of god just minister you know on fire for the lord Um, yeah but he's all about testimonies and he really Uh he wants you to have your testimony like that like if it takes an hour if it takes three hours if it's powerful people are going to listen you know they're going to listen to the yeah your story and how you found the truth right but he really wants you to like also have like a condensed like two minute testimony because the reality yeah, like, yeah, totally. that is their attention spans are kind of short. So if you're yeah. just out with someone, it's like, how can you summarize your testimony and the Bible in like three minutes? Yeah. And then I also had like a, not my preacher, but like a, you know, preacher kind of down the street, I guess, you know, like a friend mm-hmm. of a friend's church. Um, yeah. Had a really good sermon where he was kind of saying, like, say you're in a plane and the plane just. Like an engine just blew up, and you're you're crashing. Like there's no saving it. You're thirty thousand feet. You're spiraling downwards. Everyone's about to die on that plane. How do you turn to the guy next to you and preach the gospel and bring him to heaven with you? You know, you have three minutes. Go. Yeah, (laughs) I'm 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 kind of um. So it's kind of like yeah, silly whatever. But it's like kind of a good like you know exercise to be like, how can you pack a punch like a three minute punch? to really convey the gospel in your testimony and, or, you know, so I like that, but also like there's, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for, you know, me to hear it, but also the world to hear your full testimony too, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're here, totally. We're you know, just, <laughs> we're there's some, you know, there's some people out there, you know, there's some people out there who kind of, you know, they kind of lift, lift their nose at the idea of, of personal testimonies and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, from the standpoint, you know, I think there's a time and place for that and I think I think it's great, you know. You know, if if someone has the time to hear you out and and uh, and hear what the Lord's done for you by all means I think you should be ready and willing to tell them.
1: Yeah. yeah I think it's important though to um you know, the, the end goal of a testimony is to preach to glorify gospel, God. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and to yeah. bring glory to God. Totally. Right. Yeah. Like, so some people can just get caught up in me, 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 I, 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 but mm. you know it just depends on what the true purpose of it is, right?
0: Right, right. Um, where your where your motives are coming from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally.
1: Um, I was gonna ask you. Um, I have a bunch of questions, but we'll we'll, we'll just get to some of the, some of the better ones. Uh, yeah, sure. Not keep you here for another two hours.
0: <laughs> hey, but that's um, alright. Hey, I'm now that I'm kind of in the groove, I'm kind of enjoying it. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right on. I was going to ask you, and you, you kind of touched on it um, in the opposite direction, but like, what are the responsibilities of a pastor or preacher in the church?
0: Responsibilities of a a pastor or or a, or a preacher?
1: I guess both and or.
0: Okay. Uh, um.
1: Just the leadership of a church, I guess. Like.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Elders, well,
1: deacons, I'll, preachers.
0: I'll I'll just tell you. You know kind of how i feel about that and i feel like you know i feel like the bible would back me up on this but what an ideal church structure would look like and, and once again to, to be clear on this we also have to understand you know what church means what the nature of that word church means and, and it quite literally just means congregation a congregation a, a group of saved believers okay and the hierarchical structure, of course, the leader and the head of, of any church is Jesus. Okay? And, and A good pastor will acknowledge that first and foremost, you know, you know let not my own will be done, but you know, the Lord's will. And, and that Jesus is the head of the body, the head of the body of Christ, and, and he's to lead us and guide us in all righteousness. Um, so the pastor is directly beneath the Lord's authority there. And and the pastor is to yield to the Lord's authority just as much as anyone else in the congregation. So at the head of the church, you have one pastor. And I believe, you know, this is a church I've been going to recently. Uh, it has one pastor and it has one deacon. And, and I believe that the pastor should make really 100% of the executive decisions um, for the congregation, and the deacon can sort of be there to help, um, take on, um, and carry the burden of some of the some of the responsibilities to help him out as well. Yeah. And because you have you have a lot of churches nowadays that they'll they'll ordain just a plethora of deacons and they'll have like a elder board or a a board of deacons or elders or something like this and it's like it's a, it's almost as if the pastor is answering to the will of the elders when that's the total opposite of, of how the Lord's ordained it in the New Testament yeah that's um his church. right so one pastor, one deacon, that's that's what I believe. And and ultimately, at the end of the day, as a pastor, you, your biggest responsibility, what you're there to do, is, is what Jesus told Peter. He said, you know, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And and that's the role of a pastor, is to feed the flock, is is to, is to guide and um, edify and uplift and nurture, and at sometimes rebuke and admonish uh, the saints, just as you know, any literal good shepherd would do. You know, a shepherd has his staff, and you know, you're gentle with your flock, but sometimes if they're disobedient, you know, you gotta take them by the neck with your with your <laughs> staff and you gotta yeah. reel them back in, you know. So, um, the that's, that's really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's my view on biblically what a pastor's job is. And a priest a preacher is just anyone um, who, who feels the calling of the Holy Spirit in their life to preach. And, um, you know, they do just that. They open up God's word. They break the bread of life. Um, for the congregation, just as, you know, your pastor will do every Sunday. And um, it's their, responsi- their responsibility to, you know, rightly divide the word in spirit and truth. Yeah. Do you, do you
1: think that like degrees are necessary for that?
0: No, no, not at
1: all. <laughs> do you think it's the opposite? Like, do you think it's bad?
0: yeah i think it's very bad (laughs) um i i think um i I won't i I won't i won't go too far i won't go too far into that but i think most modern seminaries these days um is where your average quote unquote preacher goes to ruin their career yeah that's just that's just my 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 blunt straightforward opinion on the matter Yeah. yeah 'Cause it's, it's there's so there's so much false doctrine that you're exposed to in places like that. Um, that yeah, it's it's just very subversive. Yeah.
1: And the Holy Spirit should be your
0: teacher. Yeah, amen. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's I'm the like, only teacher no I, need. Status, so like, I need. All I need all I need here, here. I have three and I was just talking to someone about this last night. I have three resources when I'm preparing a sermon. I have my King James Bible. I have a digital King James Bible concordance, and I have Baptist King James preaching. And those are my three resources. Wor- those are my three resources. If if I'm trying to study out uh, a, a scripture or or a, a topic or a doctrine in the Bible, that's that's what I use. And that's it. You know, I don't really believe in commentaries or um. You know, all these extra biblical resources you know, like that
1: yeah opinions and analysis. yeah, is,
0: yeah. exactly cuz cuz why why should i go and read you know the opinions and the words of men when i can just read the words of god for myself right yeah. you know
1: i mean it's right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's right there and it's in your heart you know right <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. um well, yeah, and that leads me to our next question is, why King James only?
0: Why King James only? Well, yeah. as Baptists, we believe that not only has God inspired his word, not only do we have the inspired word of God, but we also have the preserved word of God. And if you'll give me just a second, I want to pull up a verse for you, and I'm going to yeah. read it. Me just one second. Well
1: my like part two yeah. of the question is uh are
0: oh, you right? Yeah, do what? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, <clears> so ahead. this is Psalm. Well this is this is in Psalm 12, verse 6 through 8, and it reads, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted so here god making a promise to his people that my words are indeed pure words tried as silver pure as silver and i'm going to preserve my words unto all generations so here's here's the problem with this when when you start um when you start talking about a lot of these modern new translations of bible versions you have to understand that with these new modern Bible versions, they complete, they're they completely founded on this notion and this idea that the true inspired and preserved word of God was, was buried for a span of 400 years and had to be dug up for a span of 400 years. We didn't have it. And now, this is the real, true, and inerrant, and, and not only inspired but preserved Word of God. So that's that's kind of like this this faulty um, narrative that it's it's built upon in and of itself. It, it 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 denies that God has preserved His Word, and and not only has God inspired His Word, you know, through men who were moved by the Spirit, and of course, the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. That was the original language of the New Testament. And, you know, alongside that, the New Testament was written its original language. It was written in Greek. And you have to understand with this King James Bible is that they're not, they're translated from Erasmus's Textus Receptus, which takes the original languages of the two Testaments, and translates it directly into English. You know, it's not from some obscure manuscript or, or Latin manuscripts. It's directly from the original languages. God's word was written in. So it's the, it's the pure inerrant preserved word of God is what we believe. And, you know, I'll, I'll, um, you know, I'll just go ahead and let you ask your next question. Cause you said there was a follow up you had to it. <laughs> well, so yeah, that's, so- that's, 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 that's what I believe
1: on that matter. No, I'm with you, but yeah, my question is, I so I use the nkgv
0: Okay, that's my okay. like, like
1: I read that, and then sometimes I will look up like the other stuff. You know, have like the uh-huh. Bible app, will look up like ESV or the NIV, just to compare it, you know, and then right. that's when you really start to see, like, yeah, there's some some wonkiness going on right when you're (laughs) yeah like the niv has some some really questionable translations uh esv is pretty good you know and then someone was talking about like a preacher is real into the message bible i don't know if you're familiar with that
0: no i've never heard of that one but
1: that is just (laughs) atrocious i mean it takes such crazy liberties and so then you just start seeing like yeah there's no like some of these translations are so dangerous you know my question you sorry and, for a little and, mini tangent there, is like is NK no no you're fine good?
0: well okay yeah that's <laughs> that's an appropriate question because that that um that leads me to what I was going to talk about next and um, for you yourself and anyone else is listening I don't know who all is listening here I've just kind of been going on but um, there's a great resource there's a great documentary on this and um, you can find it on YouTube it's called called new world order new world order bible versions and what it does it is it, it not only lays out you know why it goes through the history of, of how the king james version bible came to be how because because quite literally if, if you just want me to give you like a, a a 10 second reason for why i'm KJV only it's quite literally just the bible in english okay it's just yeah. the word of god in the English language okay but it, it, it goes out thoroughly you know year by year step by step you know how the King James Bible came to be why we believe it's the perfect and inerrant word of God and it also you know in the same documentary it outlines how dangerous pretty much all these modern Bible versions and the new King James is actually one of the worst and one of the most dangerous because
1: oh
0: no no i mean that's not i'm not trying to hurt your feelings but it's 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 to edify you know at the end of the day because i i had a screenshot of it somewhere it's it's from the documentary but the new king james is one of the worst It, it it omits i think something like 35 to 50 times it emits, you know, the word hell. It emits the word heaven in a lot of places to where I think in the New King James or, or one of these versions, you know, you don't even hear about hell one time until you get to the New Testament. And another thing in these modern translations, I call them New World Order Bible versions because I think that's a pretty accurate term because it almost once you watch this documentary, it it will open your eyes that there there is a narrative. There is a deliberate. It's not just happenstance. There is a premeditated agenda out there, and there are deliberate changes to God's word. You know, just as Satan did in the garden with a forked tongue, yeah. he beguiled the woman. There is a yes. There is a calculated
1: sure that's what god said yes
0: there is a there is a calculated premeditated targeted attack on god's word and it's 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 ramping up you know more intensely now more than ever um so some of these yeah yeah um so with these with these modern bible versions a lot of them they come from um they're two, two Latin transcripts. It's like they're two Roman Catholic Latin transcripts, okay? That are just littered with flaws, all right? And what a lot of these um, modern Bible versions do is they start changing the nature of just basic fundamental doctrines. Like, um, it's like in the, the NIV or the ESV-1, you know, it starts, um, attacking the deity of christ it starts um manipulating and and changing um stuff about his virgin birth even um a lot of these versions they um they belittle and and minimize the importance of the blood and the blood atonement that's that's one of the most sickening parts of it once you get to that part in the documentary that's one of the most disturbing parts of it is just like this calculated militant attack on the sacrifice of christ just yeah. belittling and minimizing the blood the shed blood that that covers sin and pays for sin and and after you, once you come away from watching this documentary once again it's called new world order bible versions it was produced by a handful of of baptist uh, preachers and, and videographers and um you come away from it realizing that there's a satanic agenda in play in, in this age we live in, to to denigrate and and pervert the word of God itself, and it's it's preparing it's preparing people for a a coming period of time in the near future, I believe.
1: i'm gonna have to look that up i wrote it down i'm definitely i'm definitely
0: watching it when i can yeah you should be able to find it on youtube um bitch you should be able to find it on youtube (laughs) um bitch yeah it's a a great it's a great watch great watch it's a really good resource i would recommend it to anyone we hand out copies of it at our church um to the people who get saved
1: a based engineer in the chat says nkgv replaces hell a lot of the time with shield also changes yeah. saved to being saved in first 1 corinthians 118 yeah yes he does and i was like so I said, deceived man a- i now i feel like a fool no <laughs> I, no
0: hey I felt, let it I let it to it, a
1: snare of satan uh
0: <laughs> let it let it sober you um let it equip you and and let it just make you that much more vigilant and 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 um sober-minded like it says like we said in first peter you know be sober be vigilant you know for your adversary the devil roams like a, lo- a roaring lion seeking who he may devour so yeah it, it it literally changed it to you know we are saved currently presently present tense to oh well this is a process now we're being saved so yeah it's so dangerous it denigrates the blood um disparages the virgin birth uh, attacks you know, even the doctrine of salvation, it's its so wicked and so subtle that to the untrained eye or just to an unsaved person or to a, a young believer, you know, it can easily sow a lot of unnecessary doubt or confusion. Yeah. Well, so that, in, I mean. <laughs> in, in a nutshell, that is why I'm AJV only. And, uh, and a lot of people, yeah. you, you come into a lot of people, uh, you know. Through my experience online, I've, I've encountered a lot of people who who throw this term at you like, Oh, you're a KJV onlyist, as if it's like a pejorative. Right. It's like yeah, it's like a, a slur. Like it's something I should be ashamed of. It's like, yeah, I believe in the inspired and preserved word of God's word because God's <laughs> words are pure words. You try it like silver and they're preserved into every generation. Yes, amen. Just like the term Baptist and just like the term Christian, these words started as pejoratives. They started yeah. as slurs. And we just Exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 and then it it's the like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They were first. They were first Go. called Christians in Antioch. Yep. Yeah. And they're like uh, they're just like these arrows, and we've just snatched them up and wore them like armor, yeah. Yeah. and just embodied it, and embraced yeah. it. You know, it's like yeah, this describes us well.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, and that's that initial like, oh, we'll humiliate you, we'll uh, nail you to a tree, and you know, make you <laughs> suffer and kill you, and it's like. Yeah. Uh, yikes. That I that backfired. was playing all, uh, yeah, that was the plan all on uh, yeah. Played
0: right into my hand. Yeah, now um, your sins are forgiven.
1: Yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask, uh, what is, do you have a favorite book of the Bible and why? If so,
0: Ooh, yeah, um, favorite book, man, um this is probably kind of cliche and maybe a bit trite, but it's the book of John because I just, that's my favorite of the gospels. Um, It's a book that at the end of it, John outlines it was written with the sole intention to get people saved. And as, as you know, new Testament believers, you know, as Christians, that is our fundamental purpose here on this earth is to get people saved. It's to preach the gospel into every creature. So, the book of John. It's just how straightforward (laughs) and plainly it outlines the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, the mentor I I mentioned earlier, he said that, you know, John 3 is, you know, probably one of the most quoted verses, right? 316. Yeah. But John 3, that moment, is the first time that Christ spread the gospel. I mean, he's preaching the gospel to someone... Who wasn't aware of it in Nicodemus? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like such a powerful moment where, you know, obviously he's preaching it to people in reality before that, but it's in the timeline right. of the recorded events of the Bible. It's the first time we encounter the full gospel just being preached to somebody, and it's a Pharisee who <laughs> changes his mind. You know, it's like that's right. so that's so hey. powerful.
0: You know, yeah, I've never heard that point raised. I'd have to I'd have to look into that. I never really. You know gave that a lot of thought about when the first time he actually expounded the gospel was so Cause, yeah that's interesting you raise yeah, that point. I, you I, I... know
1: it's been preached because you know people are joining him right he has disciples out there right a, you know it's right. like he's been clearly preaching it but it's the first time it's just like here it is and the gospel you know, <laughs> you, you, know is, you have to realize too that
0: yeah. uh, the gospel the gospel was always there since the beginning of the garden in genesis 3 you know and all throughout the old testament it was the same gospel being preached by the prophets, and, and you know, Paul says the same thing in the New Testament, and uh, Stephen himself too. He says, you know, uh, I'm not preaching anything new. I'm preaching the same gospel right, yeah. that Moses preached, yeah. that all the prophets preached. You know, all throughout you know, the Book of Judges, and in the First and Second Kings, and all throughout the Old Testament. Um, but yeah. the difference is, you know, they were looking in a dim mirror, and now we have the light of the world here with us, made manifest.
1: Yeah yeah steven is dope <laughs> <laughs> yes it's you <him. laughs> um well yeah i have um like a okay a few final questions but do you, do you want to yeah. like a lightning round real quick just like super sure, quick answers sure. and then we'll do my kind of last yeah. questions um
2: yeah, that'd
1: be fun. first is uh, first i'll just i'll just say it, no preface is drinking alcohol cool or not
0: well, drinking alcohol. Well, <laughs> like the first three mentions of alcohol in the Bible, they're all in a negative connotation. So I'll say that. Um, there's scripture where it warns people to not even, much less drink it, but not even look at it. Not even look upon the wine once it turns uh, a darkened color. And in other words, once it ferments and once it becomes alcoholic in nature. And I even look upon it so that's that's my stance on alcohol i used i used to be um of the opinion that you know just every now and then as long as we're not getting drunk you know it's not that big of a deal but um i'm a firm believer that you know god doesn't even want us to look at it that's why it was put there you know so
1: Seems to be a am in Tennessee Baptist circus. Oh yeah, especially <laughs> That's you like know the drawing line between a lot. Of- all the
0: <laughs> we're the we the major production of whiskey in the United States here, <laughs> yeah, the heart of Tennessee. So yeah, it's a hotly debated topic. Um, so yeah, especially now as a as a as a preacher of the Word of God, you know, I just I feel I'm held to an even higher standard. You know, when you start reading into books like Timothy and Titus and stuff like this, so I just Avoid it altogether at this point. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> is porn a sin?
0: Yes. Yeah. Porn is one hundred percent sin. We just talked about this yeah. <laughs> in my testimony a lot. It's um, like porn is one like
1: you're going to be repeating it. But.
0: <laughs> because you know, because yeah. Jesus says you know to even lust after a woman in your own heart, you commit the act of adultery. That's quite literally what you're doing. And if you're in a married um, relationship. You, you have a wife and you're married to her, it's, you know, you're not literally physically cheating on her, but you're quite literally cheating on her in your heart. Um, because yeah. you're, you know, you know, I won't go into any further detail, but I think it's pretty self explanatory.
1: Yeah. Is abortion murder?
0: Abortion is 100% murder because the Bible says, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. The Bible says, you know, the Lord knows us, you know, before we're even formed and fashioned in our mother's wombs. Um, You know, he knows us then and he knows us before, you know, he even begins. to. It says the Lord, you know, at the moment of conception, when when the woman, the Bible says um, when she's received seed, you know, that's that's the moment of life. That's that's biblical. That's that's Bible right there. So 100 percent, it's definitely murder. It's it's wicked as hell. Um, it's basically um, it's basically um, the modern equivalent of um, child sacrifice, Canaanite child sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, them it's just we, right, right. We've just turned walking. it, you know, we've turned it into this quote-unquote medical procedure in healthcare yeah. to just kind of help rationalize away the guilt. So yeah, it's murder. It's wicked. Should
1: Christians own guns?
0: Yes. Christians should own guns. Um, you know, at, at one point in one of the Gospels, Jesus says unto his disciples, "You know, you know, if you lack a sword, you know, go sell your raiment and buy yourself a sword. So yeah, we should be equipped to defend ourselves. You know, I don't believe we should be out, you know, going to these armed rallies. I think that's kind of just vanity and pointless and, and just provoking a fight with our enemies, but You should, um, you should certainly be equipped well enough to defend your homestead. Yeah.
1: Do you believe in ghosts?
0: Ghosts? No, I believe (laughs) in ministering spirits. Um, and those ministering spirits are angels and the angels who have forsaken God and rejected God and allied themselves with Satan, there are what's called demons and, um, these two war against one another and once the the bible says you know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and if you're not you know a son of God if you're not a daughter of God then you're gonna be in the other place in hell
1: awesome. do you believe dinosaurs existed
0: yes I do believe dinosaurs existed <laughs> yeah. um, that's another I mean, big
1: Tennessee Baptist debate.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, um, I mean, look at the Book of Job. Job, quite literally, you know, his account lines up with you know. I believe he saw like a brachiosaurus, a brachiosaurus dinosaur, and I think a lot of them were just just wiped out in the flood. And you look at 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 at. There's another great um, resource too. I don't remember the exact video, but his name's Matt Powell. Um, he's a young guy, probably about my age. He's a Baptist um, preacher. And he um, he really has a passion for like science and creation science. And um, uh, he debunks a lot of the false narratives that are uh, espoused by evolutionists and, and scientists and stuff like this. So look up Matt Powell if you, if you want to learn about dinosaurs and um, a lot of the science behind the flood and, and creation and the Earth Age and, and stuff like this. He's a really good resource and all that stuff. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. I'm looking, looking. I got a couple I got some math, more work to
1: do after this stream, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you so uh, I guess you there could be more than this, but are you a Globe Earth, Flat Earth, or Realm Earther? Uh
0: Honestly, I'm kind of indifferent on the subject you know i think i kind of like to meme a little bit about flat earth i think it's just kind of funny to joke about but ultimately at the end of the day in my opinion it's just kind of a sideshow and a distraction i think our focus should be on leading people to the lord and, and spreading the gospel so if you know once once the rapture comes on the last day you know and we meet the lord in the air and we look back and it's flat you know we can all have a laugh and say oh it was flat you know, It's a globe it's a globe you know i don't really care either way
1: crazy uncle jerry was right all along. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey all i know is whether it's flat or it's a globe i'm leaving this place one day yeah
1: absolutely yeah all that matters is the eternity beyond <laughs> yes
0: amen amen
1: uh, do you wash your apples
0: do I wash my apples? Uh, you know, I'm not really a big apple guy. I don't really eat any apples. Um,
1: <laughs> if you were really hungry and I handed you an apple though, would you wash it first or would you just eat it?
0: Well, it depends. Is it like a GMO apple or is it like <laughs> something you just plucked off the tree? Cliche, yeah. If it's something you just plucked off the tree, I'll just see it right there. You know, that's yep. the way God made it. Yeah. Play word about it.
1: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> last lightning round question. Do you think straws have one hole or two
0: holes? Uh, that's news to me. I guess just one. Oh wait, no. I mean, it has. Well, yeah. Good question. I've never really thought about that. You know, once you, huh? I guess, I guess two holes. Now that you think about it, because there's one on each side, right? Are Are
1: you sure? that'll answer.
0: I mean, it's two openings <laughs> on opposite sides. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say two. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah right on. last few questions here is uh is is tennessee football finally
0: back oh man tennessee football finally <laughs> back well you know we um, <laughs> hey like, you know I
1: start following again and get high and um,
0: bragging and stuff like are we back we beat um we beat our we beat our first ranked opponent in three years yeah. in kentucky last night yeah. um hey i'll say you know with josh heupel I like Josh Heupel. You know, he's an offensive-minded coach. Um, he did well at UCF. Um, he brought a lot of winning football to UCF. He's got a high, fast-paced, um, lightning offense, high-scoring offense, and you know, I feel like he's already done a lot, you know, this season to prove himself as as a viable, as a viable coach at, at UT for you know the near future. Um, you know, we haven't seen an offense like this at Tennessee. You know, I can't recollect seeing any kind of offense like this under Butch or Dooley or, you know, um, we had Pruitt. He, he who shot, I feel he like we had right. We've had so we've had yeah. <laughs> hey, he got what he deserved the other night. He got them golf balls. At yeah,
1: the mustard bottle.
0: <laughs> hey, he should have. Hey, he should have. He knows better. He should have been looking out for it. He yeah. knows. He knows not to show his face in this town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, hey, it's Tennessee football back. I think it's too early to say, but um, I gotta say, I I, I like what um, what he's doing with the program. It's a good offense. Hey, you know, at least at least he's getting these kids to play four quarters of football. Yeah. yeah. You he know, they're just not seems quitting like a good it. guy. Like a good
1: father All right. figure role model.
0: Right. Like he just yeah. says
1: like. It's not like cookie-cutter, like, here's what I have to say for the media. He, like, speaks his heart, and it's just so real. Exactly. And it's, like, the but, way he answers the questions, you know? I'll say, I just saw an interview with that. They had some, like, a third-string quarterback, you know, decided to uh-huh. transfer. And uh-huh. I just saw, like, a press yeah, papers, yeah, and he's just, like, so genuinely, like, you know, I really I really wish him the best. You know, it's, like, it's it didn't work out for him, but he's a really good kid. He's one of the hardest-working kids on the team. And he's, like, I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes, you know? And that's just such like, yeah. a boss answer, you know, just the way he yeah. framed it and said it, it was so genuine and real. Like I just uh-huh. kind of felt like, man, that guy cares, you know, he's not just a coach or not just a PR figure.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't looked at him a lot, you know, um, personally, like a lot of his personal stuff, but um, I will say, I, I I like the work ethic he's brought to um, to Tennessee. And like I said, you know, even with the losses this season, you know, you can you can walk away proud with the effort because it it feels like they played a complete four quarter game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. I was gonna say um, <laughs> feeling optimistic. I'll yeah. I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, feeling like ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next year maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Next year maybe. <laughs> um, well, Once so I have one final question, but before we get to that. um do you have any questions for me?
0: Uh, do I have any questions for you? Um, yeah, like, um, what kind of church do you go? You you go to a Baptist church, from what I understand, right?
1: No, I go to different churches. Um, okay. I haven't committed yet. Um, my girlfriend is Church of Christ, so I've okay. kind of been going to like different Church of Christ churches, and I I, I like the preaching. The preaching's great, but I'm not. Committed to the church itself, you know. <laughs> I have some disagreements with it and some some stuff, some some feelings A lot against
0: it. Doctrinal stuff, yeah. But it, it's uh, kind the preaching of is
1: always just biblical, you know. And they kind of are in general. Their principles seem to be headed in the right direction.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: but I also go to. I don't, are you familiar with Greg Locke?
0: Greg Locke.
1: He's like the controversial Nashville Baptist. He's non-denominational, but he's Baptist. You know, it's like that thing
0: i've heard that name before he's just real um,
1: controversial he got a lot of flack because he refused to close during the lockdowns you know no mask mandate and he's really oh, yeah. political so he was on like trump's uh, council cool. or whatever so he's pretty famous like it's known as being like this you know kind of kind of an insider kind of like in dc on trump's team or whatever
0: okay yeah I uh, you know I like
1: I, the church and I like him, but he gets political in his sermons. Yeah, it's just like I all think right, this, man. man, man. Like, you're a really good preacher. And here's, just preach the word, you know. It here's, here's, like I agree with his politics, but yeah, you know. Right, I agree on. with. I, I want the word. I don't want exactly exactly. <laughs> I, can, I, like like I said, tweets
0: later or from from a secular standpoint. Yeah, I would probably align pretty closely with his politics from what you're telling me. But you know, I'm kind of. I'm kind of at the point in my life and in my Christian walk where I'm kind of disillusioned with politics altogether. You know, I think we're at a point in the world and like I said, it's palpable. You know, you just walk to random people in the street, people who are unbelievers, unbelievers and who are unsaved, you know, you just start talking about it. And they're like, yeah, something's going on in the world. Like, yeah, something weird's going on in the world and, and something's changing. Like the, there's the winds of change going about in the world. You know, it feels like we're, we're leading up to something sinister, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm at the point where, you know, I don't really see any sort of political solution. I think it's all controlled opposition at this point. Yeah. I think both sides are compromised. Both sides of the aisle are, are just two wings of the same bird. Um, it, I, you know, it's just nothing but gatekeepers across the board at this point. You ask me and 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 for a christian to get involved or use their their pulpit or platform to to um perpetuate politics i, I think you're just fighting against the will of god at this point because the will of god you know if you start reading in the book of revelation you know it's just the world's just going to wax worse and worse you know? so trying to actualize or catalyze this great christian populist revival it's just it's not biblical at all. I feel. Yeah. I feel. I feel like our our purpose should just be on winning which souls we can. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Eyes on eternity, not on political solutions. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Amen. Because <laughs> it's all going to burn and pass away, but His words shall last forever. Amen.
1: Yeah, I do. Uh So, like tomorrow, like Tuesday night, I have a, a Bible study with all my Baptist friends. So I'm like in a Baptist. Oh, okay. Study. Good. Um, Very good. And then Sunday morning, I go to another Baptist Bible study. <laughs> but then we leave that and we go to Church of Christ because that's where my girlfriend
0: goes. Okay. So, you know, so I'm kind Your of girlfriend saved too. And... Sorry. Your girlfriend's saved. Oh yeah, she's yeah super based. She's I think
1: she's in the chat right now. <laughs> she's oh really? Poking her head in my live chat. Yeah. Uh, so
0: so you said um you said you got saved in
1: 2018. Um, I would say 2019.
0: 2019.
1: But 2018 is when my eyes were opened. You know, I, I knew God. Okay. I actually didn't start reading the Bible until spring of 2019. I was kind of just like l- listening to sermons and podcasts and kind of like, because I was still just so in denial. I still thought like I thought Christians were stupid. You know, I thought Jesus was fake. Like I kind of bought into that whole thing.
2: Yeah.
1: I was just like, yeah, like yeah. God's real, but like. I don't know. Christians. You know, as my whole mindset is just twenty eight years of <laughs> brainwashed propaganda, just thinking that it's all stupid. But I just was hey, hey. convicted. And then Right. You know, I just kind of kept going through some like ups and downs and hit a real low spot and then I just one night like prayed to God and I was just like, Can you just show me? Like I'm trying to do this on my own and clearly it's not working. Can you show me? And he just literally like I got this overwhelming feeling, like, read the word. Like read the bible and okay. so i had one i actually had one because i took a course in college it was like theology so i grabbed this bible and start reading it you know i just open up the matthew because i'm like ah genesis all that stuff's goofy you know that's still my mindset It's like ah that stuff's silly that's goofy okay. let's see what like jesus is about so i open up matthew and just started reading and it was just over you know you get to sermon on the mount in matthew 4 and 5 it's just over after that you know there's no going back so first night i kind of like just prayed truly and just like surrendered and was just like clearly this is true and i want to be a part of it (laughs) you know just do whatever you know like i'm just surrendering to you totally i repent of everything i've done wrong like i'm so sorry for everything i've done i forgive everyone (laughs) and just truly gave in you know um so it took me probably another five months after my first kind of eye-opening awakening moment
0: okay all right and that's all it takes man hey just 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 a mustard seed of faith just whatever little measure of faith that you have all you have to do and and you know this is just to whoever's listening i don't know who's listening but if you're not saved you know all it takes to be saved is you know whatever little measure of faith you have is just taking that faith and and using it to believe upon the the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ who whose sins were imputed onto his body and and atoned for, and, and God poured out his whole wrath upon him, suffered our consequence that we may have eternal life. That's it. That's it. That's the gospel.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> amazing.
0: Yep. Amazing. Truly amazing.
1: amazing. <laughs> the most amazing. Um, so for my final, final question, is there any like um, plugs you want to give or shout outs or like, recommendations or anything?
0: Tell any what I you, wanna give? Any, any, oh, plugs? Shout
1: outs or plugs or where people can follow you and find you?
0: Um, yeah, so you can, um, really all I have is um, Twitter. You can follow me um, at realcdbrooks on twitter.com at realcd, just like a CD, you know, <laughs> just like a, like a CD-ROM, realcdbrooks at twitter.com. And um, let's see, shout outs. Um, I guess I'll have to give a shout out to Bible Chat, on uh, my Bible Chat brethren out there, KJV only gang, raw milk gang. Um, yeah,
1: Wojak's a, a piece of sh- getting rest for the Bible yeah. boys in here. Shout out
0: <laughs> to uh, the Peaceful Wojak, Baptist Taliban, um, IGH, Jesus was Baptist, uh, Philly. Cowboy Manlet and uh, see, Paleo. Am I missing anyone? Hey, you know, uh, Ludicolo Incel. Just, hey, all the Bible chat gang. We're going to represent KJV only gang. Independent Fundamental Baptist. Word of truth. Sword of truth. Cutting through the darkness. Awesome. <laughs>
1: awesome. <man. laughs> My final question is: Did you have a fun time tonight?
0: Yeah, this is a great. Hey, this is the first <laughs> time I've ever done anything like this. I've never yeah. been invited on like a live podcast or anything like this. So yeah, this is a um, this is a first. This is a new experience for me, and uh, I enjoyed it. It's a good time. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank
1: you for coming on. Yeah,
0: this is great. Hey, thanks for having me on, brother Sean.
1: Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and Bitshoot. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at Seanbeeplanet.com.